This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is, in fact, internet marketing. Uh, I'm Andy White. I'm joined by... Felice Sailing. And we're in a brand new, shiny studio. And there lies the problem. It's so <laughs> shiny, it's really echoey, and it's a kitchen. So if you hear people making tea and coffee in the background, we apologise. We have asked them not to come up, but they will come up. <laughs> and there's a loo up here as well. Yeah, it's going to be quite noisy today. Uh, so what are we talking about today, Felice? Uh, today we are talking about Google Authorship. For a moment, I thought you'd forgotten. I didn't know. <laughs> yes, I've completely forgotten. By the way, listeners, we had uh, Brighton SEO last weekend and it was uh, quite hectic, wasn't it? It We've was. just recovered. Yes, and I had a few days off as well, so it's taken yeah. me a while to get back into work mode. Um, but no, we're talking about Google authorship, something that's been talked about quite a bit recently because Google ended its use of the Google authorship last month. So, um, yes, Google authorship. I'm very, very loath to say... Google authorship is dead because everyone says that. But so we need to say it in a slightly different way. Maybe yes. pose it as a question. Yeah, Google no longer making use of Google authorship in articles. So if you are on the techie side or you're not, you may have seen people talking about this recently, um, quite a lot of blog posts and tweets going out about it. So we just thought we'd do a bit of a, a, a kind of roundup, a cover off of you know what is Google authorship and whether you know it ending is going to cause any problems or not. Mm. Um, so... We thought we'd just start off, for those of you who don't know what the authorship is, it's a kind of tool that Google kind of adopted. It was around before, you know, Google started using things like the schema Mm. and data markup. Um, And it came, it got brought into the fold, I guess. And the idea was that it could be used to connect pieces of content that Mm. were written by the same author. The idea being that if you read a piece of content by someone and you like that, you are then able to see if that person has written something else. Mm. Or if it's someone that you've got a relationship with, there's a piece of content that comes up and you can see it's authored by someone that you've, you know or mm. you, you know, you've come across in the past, you're more likely to go and read that piece of content. So it's, it's kind of a, a digital signature in a way. It started off a few years ago just as, as something that sort of website owners were doing to try and link content, mm. especially if it was authored by somebody that was quite authoritative and already had a reputation. Um, then Google brought it into its schema.org, mm. which provided a kind of standardized structure for data markup. Yeah, because this is all metadata, isn't it? These are strange little sort of markup tags inside the HTML that says, this is an author, this is a It is, this yeah. Is a whatever. I don't, I don't want to get too technical for people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, apologies if anyone's thinking of switching off. Don't just yet. That, that's my job to switch you off. <laughs> 
the idea of the schema is that it allows website owners to mark up specific pieces of content Mm. that helps Google to understand what that content is. Yeah, semantic markup, isn't it? It is. So the schema.org allows that to happen in a consistent and uniform way. Mm. So every website owner would use the same piece of code to mark up similar types of content. The ones that people have probably come across most often are um, content such as recipes. Mm. So when if you do a search for a recipe and you see some of the results will come up with an image and possibly like a difficulty rating with a bit of cooking time or even some ingredients list, as opposed to just a link through to a recipe. Mm. The reason that content is being pulled out is because there's a bit of code around it that tells Google that it's a recipe. It understands that content and it can pull out the bits that are most appropriate. And you'll see things like if you're looking for maybe academic subjects or health issues, Mm. the results, you might have a section at the bottom that says sort of white papers and research papers. Again, that's got code behind it that tells Google it's a white paper. So it's actually really, really simple to use. We won't go into it too much. We might follow up with a blog post talking about schema. It works better Mm. when you're writing about it because you can obviously give sort of more visual examples. Um, But the idea behind it is that you can make pieces of content stand out more than you could for just the general search Mm. results. So when Google brought it in, this is when it started to become a bit more serious. And it's, you know, people could start to see where it could be useful. Its aim was to provide a better experience for the user Mm -hmm. and deliver more of the content that they were looking for based on who they might have, you know, accessed before. Um, What it seems to have done um, is not very much it doesn't seem to have achieved what google thought it would Mm. so there's you know obviously they've been keeping an eye on it doing a bit of research it's been in place for about three years now and the reason they've got rid of it is because for the website owners there seem to be very low adoption rates Mm. people just weren't really using it Mm. you know some people were there's some people that swear by it but overall it was very low Um, and even when people were using it they weren't using it correctly so it wasn't actually allowing the results to be any better. Mm. You know, so for the user's perspective, even if something is marked up, it may not necessarily be marked up in the right way. Google then tried automating the process. So where the data wasn't being marked up, tried to make connections in other ways, and that failed miserably. Um, I think there was one incidence of a piece of content being attributed to somebody who'd been dead for 25 years. Oh, really? No way they could have written it. Um, yeah, so it was just, you know, it wasn't useful. It wasn't helpful. And I think if people, you know, website owners especially, if they're not using it, it's, you know, either because it's too complicated or they just don't see the value. I mean, Google's all about value, not for website owners, but for the end user. So it's not really a massive surprise that they've dropped it. I think, you know, they've took it on, they give it a go. It didn't work. Um, so moving on to something else. It's interesting that not very many people took it up. I can imagine only the techies actually probably wanted to say, let's mark up who the author is. So is it basically sort of lack of adoption? Was that their main argument for removing it? It is, yeah. I mean, I think lack of adoption, and I think it's one of the, you know one of those things. Maybe the value of it hadn't been communicated well enough. But mm. I think when you look at the other types of data markup that's available, the, you know the adoption rate's been pretty good, and people are using it and they're using it well. Mm. Um, so I think you know if, if if you're struggling to get people to understand how to use something, and then even when they do use it. they're not actually seeing it's having much effect on the other end Mm. it just you know what's the point what's the point of putting time and effort into into keeping it going and obviously because the numbers are quite small it's a difficult one to predict but they did find that even when it was being used it had very little influence Mm. on the user behavior so actually the end searcher 
wasn't necessarily more likely to click through to a piece of content that was marked up with an author. And they tried a few different experiments. What they started doing was getting rid of the photos mm. of the authors and just having the little link and the biog. Um, and they found very little difference between those with a photo and those without. So they started showing links without pictures. But now they found that even the links themselves, they just don't seem to have any influence. So everything that Google's about is the end user. So if it's not adding value to them, they're not going to keep doing it. Was there much of a backlash from the community? Was it a big, there non-existent, has... big bash, backlash, small backlash? Yeah, it's quite surprising, fast. really. I mean, from my perspective, I think the authorship, it, it, again, it's one of these things that it's quite, I feel it's quite small. Mm. You know, it's just one tool of many, many, many tools you can have to, to help Google understand what your content is. Um, you know, there's so many other things that you can be doing that we can all be doing. And I think, you know, if it really isn't having an impact on whether the searcher clicks on your content or somebody else's, mm. you know, what does it really matter? Why would you want to keep using it? You know, there's quite a few people out there that have been very vocal. Um, I came across an article by um, Malcolm Slade for The Drum mm. this week, and he, you know, quite firmly, you know, stated that he still believes that documenting authors does lead to better content and engagement rates. Mm. You know, obviously something that Google's committed to, you know, what he said is, is he, he's encouraging website owners to actually keep using it, mm -hmm. to keep using authorship when creating content. So, I mean, it could be that for those who are using it and are using it well, they are perhaps seeing results, but there's also every possibility that they're having results within a particular audience group that understands what these pictures and that this author, mm -hmm. I, the idea actually means. So for somebody like me who works in digital media, I may be influenced by that data in search results because I understand what it means. Mm. And I read articles fairly regularly. I look for people that are experts. So if it's somebody I recognize, I am more likely to click through and read it. But there's also other ways that I access content. You know, I'll either follow somebody on Twitter, mm. follow their own blog, follow them on Google+. Plus. So if I want to read other articles by them, I can go straight to their profile and access them there rather than relying on search results. Mm. So there, I think there are, you know, there are many other ways and often sometimes better and more effective and yeah. easier methods mm. for searchers and for people like me, you know, who might be on the other end of it to actually get people to engage with content from a particular source. Moving on to Google+, one thing that has been quite interesting about the scene discussion is the fact that even though while Google has removed the authorship mm. um, function, it will still show results where content is linked to an individual's Google Plus profile. So it will still show a link. So if, you know, say to my own Google Plus profile. So they are still using that authorship meta tag for what want of a better name if they recognize the author in Google Plus. Yeah, so they're still okay. they're sticking with the concept yeah. of linking content based on the author. Mm. But what they're doing is now they're only going to be showcasing that data and the results through the Google Plus platform. Mm. It, which is a quite in, it's quite an interesting one because obviously Google Plus is owned by Google, so there has been a bit of, you know, a bit of comment about they're doing this to push people into Google Plus. There's been pitchforks and flaming <laughs> torches. <laughs> there's been uh, not quite that bad, but mm. I think there's a little bit of that. The yeah. the idea is you know that they're you know protecting their own interests and think, mm. you know and actually they can start to see if you know if the authorship did work that maybe there was some kind of conflict between that and Google Plus. But on the other hand, it does then make Google Plus start looking a little bit more relevant. Mm. You know, relevance of, of that tool is something that I think we've all struggled with since it started mm. in terms of how it actually helped 
us and um, and our customers. So what we may see is a sudden flurry of Google Plus profiles being set up all over the place and, you know, making sure that content is linked back through to somebody's particular profile page. Google has already said, and we do already kind of understand that your interactions with Google Plus could potentially have an impact mm. on what you see within search results. Yeah. And I think I saw quite a nice example a couple of years ago. And I think the example was looking at the, there was the collaboration with David Beckham and H&M. Yes. The fashion range. Yes, yes. Um, and I think what you found is that if somebody was connected to or followed David Beckham on Google+, and then I think when they searched for a particular item of clothing, the H&M range came up top because of the interaction with David Beckham, who was then interacting with H&M on Google+. So Plus. it's following the social graph, effectively. Yeah, yeah, so understanding that, you know, you follow somebody who interacts with that brand, the chances are you're going to favour that brand over somebody mm. else. So H&M's results would have come above, you know, other potential retailers. You know, had you not been connected with him on Google+, Plus, the H&M may not have even been on the page one. Mm. So the idea is that it can influence search results. So your brand could appear top within personalised search if there are interactions and connections through Google+. Plus. Until everybody's on it, <laughs> until mm. everyone's on it and people are using it, it's going to be difficult to see mm. where the value is. But the fact that with the authorship, for those people that, are, you know, that, that felt quite strongly about it, obviously they can still use Google Plus as a way around that. But you know, we may then, like, as I said, we may start to see more people using it. Well, it'll be interesting to see if you know, some people will probably be cross that Google you know, are ignoring the, the authorship sort of a meta tag, uh, but, well, but ex- yeah. unless it's, you know, pointing back to Google Plus, but I suppose others may embrace it and go, oh, well, I've got a Google Plus account then. Yeah, so it, it all depends on your perspective. And I think there, there is a little bit of backlash. I think Matt Cutts came out a couple of years ago and actually said that they were very committed to authorship mm. and to maintaining it. So I think the fact that, you know, only two years later, it's now been ditched. So, there was, mm. you know, it felt like a bit of a mixed message. But, I, you know, I think at the time, you know, they were committed to it. They did see the value in it, but the proof is in the pudding. And, you know, they haven't seen it work the way mm. they expected it to. It's not an easy thing to do, though. No. I mean, speaking as a software developer, when you realise that a feature is actually largely redundant, it's actually not easy to say, well, we're going to get rid of it. Because you always have this fear of, of backwards compatibility. Yeah. So it kind of hats off for them for boldly stepping out and... and I suppose remove in double quotes, removing it. Yeah. Um, if if it's not doing anything, but I can see why the geeky. Oh, okay, people will hate me <laughs> for calling them geeky, but the more technical uh, of the community might have wanted to embrace it. You know, I mean, I, I can understand that as well because I'm a bit like that. Yeah. I like to mark my markup with semantic markup and say which bits are what. Yeah, and I think you know, I think maybe those people that were using it consistently, were using it often, and were using it well, probably did see. Mm some results from it yeah or saw results that they thought could be attributed to it so for them to lose that uh, as a functionality like you know you see that that could potentially affect you know the success of what they're doing so completely understand why they you know why they'd be a bit upset about mm, it mm. but i think there's just there aren't enough of those people there weren't enough of those people no, no, no. you know to make it worthwhile considering how much time and energy goes into you know, making sure with Google's algorithm that it understands what that content is and it's consistently checking it. And, um, you know, because it isn't just a case of writing the script and it just runs. They have to keep tweaking it. They have to keep keep making sure that it's built into the algorithm, that mm. they continue to be able to see that content, recognize it, 
and also not show content where it's been marked incorrectly. So, you know, in terms of the maintenance time, it's a lot of input for them and a lot of resource for something that doesn't appear to be working. Maybe it'll come back. You know, I think I would sometimes think there's quite often things that come out and we're not quite sure, you know, how to use them. QR codes, that's another yes. brilliant example. They came out and it was, you know, the buzz was massive. We thought it was going to revolutionise the way people could access content and it didn't. We still use them every now and then. Yeah. You get them on boarding passes and tickets. They seem to use. Yes, uh, hard, they? they are having more and more uses. They're slowly integrating themselves into, um, I was going to say society, but like sort of online society. Yeah, but they almost seem to work almost like barcodes now, you know, just in terms of just a, a very quick scan to mm. double check information. But yeah, we, we, really, we haven't really seen, seen it take off. There's always going to be things. I think it's great that Google takes them on and trials them and pushes them if they can see where there might be some value. Mm. And I think it is that just keep testing. You, know, you just keep testing different things. And it could be that there's something else that comes up in the next six, 12 months that makes us all think, why on earth were we using it for so long? That was so clunky. This is brilliant. And we just don't know how things are going to evolve. From my perspective, I don't think we should be that worried about it. No. And I think, you know, if you're in t- the entire success of your content was based on this one piece of code, I think you probably have bigger problems um, to mm. worry about <laughs> than losing that. Well, certainly a very interesting insight there, Felice. And talking about uh, big decisions today is the day that Scotland decided to stay in the UK. I'm very glad because I think it would have been a tremendous engineering feat to have like carved off in over 80,000 square kilometres of land and pushed it out away from us into the North Sea. But anyway, so I'm glad we didn't have to do that. It's controversial. It's controversial. <laughs> so uh, with that, I'll say no more. <laughs> we'll <laughs> Thank you, Felice. And uh, thanks for the insight on uh, Google authorship, uh, brought to you, of course, by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. You can find us at slash IM podcast on that domain. Uh, if you've got questions, um, email us, podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can also call us and leave a voice message or a voice question, um, plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. And of course, you can find us in iTunes as well. And if you feel like rating us or doing a review, do that, because we do like those, don't we, Felice? We do, yes. So that's all from us, and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 